Welcome to the Leadership Drives Podcast. Now here's your host, Mylena Sutton. Thank you for coming back. Let's pick up where we left off. Here's part two of my group interview with the leaders of the Greenlight Fund. When you all think about um, how policy and decision is made on the uh, organizational level across Greenlight, are there areas in the organization where you believe that you just accept um, what comes from your home office bossing mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. whatever your leadership apparatus is, that you don't particularly agree with, but because you're not necessarily interacting with mm-hmm. them often, you're like, eh, no big deal, even though I really think that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I love these looks on your face. And I'm trying to think of something specific. I, you know, what came up for me at first, but this is not like a, I flat out disagree with it. It's, you know, we have like for our green light method, there are, um, what we call non-negotiables, you know, mm-hmm. we will, you know, really that is tied to like following the green light method with fidelity, <clears throat> excuse me, with fidelity. Um, and it's something that, you know, when you sign up for this role, when you're hired, like if you're not on board with that, then you should be, you know, mm-hmm. the, the local leader. Um, and so, you know, it's not, it's less about disagreeing with, with it, but, I think when when you said, you know, are there things that sort of just are, um, that's what came to mind. So things like we only fund or invest organizations that don't already exist in our community. That is a non-negotiable. That is what at the core and heart of what, what we do. Uh, philosophically, someone may have a different opinion, um, you know, and f- feel like maybe we should be able to fund existing organizations or existing work in our community. And if you feel that strongly, then it's not the right place mm-hmm. for you to be. Um, so that's what it was coming up for me. But I can't, I'm trying to think of something. I can't think of anything specific. So I don't know if I have something specific, but it's something I think we, we speak about as a group where it's, you know, there are a lot of different initiatives, right, happening at National, but there's only so much that we can engage. focus on and, yeah. and really engage with. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's like, you know what? I got to focus on Philly. I got to focus mm-hmm. on Twin Cities, right? Mm-hmm. And just coming back to, to that is like a really nice home base <laughs> where it's like, Yes, there's a ton of things that I perhaps could get engaged in with national, but I know right now I need to make a really, really great selection for my city. So that's what I'm going to focus on. Right. And just um, almost like coming to our little city bubbles. Right. And like handling that. So I think it's just a matter of like priorities. It's like my priority is Philly. National's going to handle national. Right. Like there is, um, I think in any organization, give me yeah. things that come down where you're like, eh, I probably would have done differently. But I need to like 99% of my focus needs to be on what, um, you know, what we're bringing into to our communities that are going to help our, our residents. And there's only so much time I think we have to, to split that, you know, to focus on um, some national initiatives. Do you think Greenlight needs to focus on that? I mean, because when you were talking, the first thing I thought, if that spirit kind of grows, how strong is the distributed network going to be over time mm-hmm. or the organization because I'm thinking that potentially could be a threat to the culture if everybody it's like you know I'm eh, just do my own thing you know yeah well, I mean, guard against yeah. that mm-hmm. I do think there's a healthy balance of like recognizing when you know where we each are in our work and selection cycle that might lend itself to being more highly engaged nationally because you can step away a little bit from the like 100% local focus because you're in a phase where you just finished a selection cycle, for mm-hmm. example, and um, can breathe, you know, for a little bit. And so I think there's, 
been this healthy balance that we've managed without sort of talking explicitly about it. It just sort of has worked out. Um, yeah. Like as to work absence. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, I think Greenlight also does a, a pretty good job at pulling people in to those policy mm-hmm. conversations. So when there was develop when they were developing a racial equity statement. Who wants to be on this committee? Mm-hmm. When there was a, um, we're looking at um, employer compensation, who wants to be on this committee? So I do think they try with best efforts to put people in and to someone's point. If you're at the time, mm-hmm. I would love to be on that committee. If I'm particularly passionate about it, I would right. love to be on that committee. If you don't want to be because you're a bog down in your yeah. site, mm-hmm. you don't have to be. Another yeah. time will come. So I do think that they at least provide space on those decisions for you to participate in some of those conversations and discussions. And this is across the entire network. It doesn't stop at like management team or ED, like associates were developing a racial equity statement for the organization. So I do think that they um, do a pretty good job of saying, this is what we're looking at. Are are you interested in participating? And then you have the ability to say yes or no based on time, commitment, capacity, or just just general interest. interest. Yeah. I mean, I joined the working group that's working on our new theory of change because it's like, ooh, that's my jam. I want to like get involved in this. Um, But I didn't join the DEI, you know, things like that. So, yeah. I do think Greenlight makes a strong effort to not make really big decisions in a bubble, right? So just to your point, like trying to, to pull in people at, at many different stages in that decision-making standpoint. Um, and then my later, when you were talking about, you know, how do we continue to stay mesh as an organization? Um, you know, I mean, we're all in, in Philly, you know, this week for our, our all-staff retreat, right? And I think at one point there were two all-staff retreats a year, but as we're growing, right, just from, you know, expense standpoints, logistics, um, we do one a year now, but then our leadership team still meets twice a year. I think management team still meets twice a year. So uh, I do think Greenlight has an eye towards, yes, we are a national, mostly virtual organization, but we need to be, uh, make sure that we have touch points, right, where we are still coming together um, in person right now that we can can do that again. So yeah, the, the retreats, I think, are good, um, just a good strategy, right, to, to maintain that cohesiveness. And I think it also doesn't feel, and we're still small and I'm hoping they can keep this, it doesn't feel like we're just like a person in a cubicle Mm -hmm. in a city Mm -hmm. doing work. Mm -hmm. Like it still feels like we're connected to the plan of the organization. They're like, so what do you think should be the criteria when we go to a new site? I haven't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that's not my job to think about it, but I would love to participate Mm -hmm. in that conversation. I think there's ways that, um, Hopefully, despite the size, they still continue to pull people in. Right now, we're, I think, about like 45, yep. a little yeah, shy right of 50 people. Um, so it's a little bit smaller to do that. But if you're talking to people that have been here just four years ago, they're like, all of us kind of fit around this conference yeah. before an all-staff yeah. meeting. Yeah. So the growth has been very quickly. And I do think it has to be intentional. Like, how do we continue to make sure people feel like they're part of the culture and decision-making as they continue to grow? But I don't think they've hit, like, that cliff yet. <laughs> now, if you all don't want to answer this question, I'll strike this. So since we're talking about cohesiveness, I noticed that all four of you are black. Mm-hmm. I thought about this just as I you was... noticed? <laughs> like, I kind of knew that. I kind of noticed. And since we're talking about cohesiveness and, you know, how connected you all feel in the network, I wondered, I'm like, hmm, 
there's nobody who isn't black in this room. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder what diversity and inclusion feels like inside Greenlight. Because all of you have been with Greenlight at least a year, but I don't see anybody else in this room. So to me, it says something about comfort. Um, and I'd like to hear your experience about around that in the organization. I, for me personally, my um, easy manager is not black and we have a great relationship and I'm able to share with her. I think what you see at this table, um, while we're all black, I think is irrespective of green light. Like we just really like each other. We enjoy each other's time. We have like specific values for our community. And it was like, like we said earlier, it was just organic. Not that we don't hang out with people that are not people of color. Um, um, at Greenlight, but I think it was just um, super organic. And I think we also have very similar long-term goals, which also drives the collective um, mm -hmm. that we have here. And we're like, well, I want to do this. I was like, it's like very specific to us. And we like, we want to talk at the Congressional Black Caucus. We're not going to bring a colleague into the conversation. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there is a collective of long-term goals as well that continues to, to bring us together um, that we see as a way. And yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I don't think it's like any like intentionally like we're not talking to a white ED because we have we have meetings with everybody. We do all the time. All the time. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Don't, I don't know. I never thought it would be intentional, but I think of the way people naturally gravitate sure. toward mm -hmm. people and I noticed even with my own podcast, um, I'm like, I talk to a whole lot of black people and black women in particular. Mm -hmm. And I have to start making intentional efforts at diversifying the types of mm -hmm. guests that I bring on, mm -hmm. unless I want to hyper-focus on right. a certain type of leadership right. experience. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered if your colleagues might see the click of you as a click that perhaps they don't have access to. Not because you're intent, because I think of inclusion is something you have to be intentional about. Mm -hmm. and and I grew up in the South with a grandma, and one of the things that she often, I think, unintentionally beat into my head was always worrying about how you are perceived when you are in groups of Black folks. And um, frankly, I don't know why I can't let that go, but I don't. And I just often wonder if you worry about um, how your uh, other colleagues, whether they are white or whatever else, how they um, yeah. respond to your close-knit Miss. I don't know if people so, realize. No, I don't yeah. think it's a real thing. And the other thing, it was as you're speaking, Mylena, like there are also other black EDs at, at Greenlight yeah, that aren't at this table. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's not like we are the only black EDs <laughs> and we're all together. <laughs> so we're we're all together. Right. that aren't here. And it's not that we, you know, again, to Tisha's point, like intentional exclusion or inclusion. The way I like to think about it is around um, like diversity and thought, right? Like Ryan says something, I'm like, I never thought about it that way. Like, let me speak to Ryan a bit more. Tish says something, I'm like, man, that's something else. You know, just like, mm -hmm. so while we're all black, I think the different perspectives you bring to this table, like makes us as diverse as any other group, right? That, mm -hmm. that would be around a table. And that's what I value. I think about um, the four of us, but what I also value about a lot of other EDs at Greenlight, right? Mm -hmm. It's just um, the way we all think about things differently and approach this work differently um, and still very successfully, right? And that's, I think, where there's always room for us to grow and learn. It's like, there's not just Philly, Felicia's way of doing things, right? There's other, you know, people that we can all learn from in this, in this space. And um, I mean, something I think about this group, like the timing where we all started, I think we're all within like a few months of each other. And Simone, again, with, with um, the longer, you know, longer time there, but 
Um, so that, you know, helped to align us just, I think, as a, a cohort, if you will. And then to Tisha's point, you know, what we're thinking about doing after Greenlight, right? And how we can yeah. all, um, you know, support our time when we're here, but then also support what the next step is yeah. in a way that, um, you know, that's meaningful. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say the common thread, I think, with all of us has really been, you know, recognizing that we are, you know, Black leaders and thinking about what our professional development looks like specifically for what's next after Greenlight, um, but also the ability to, you know, bounce ideas off of each other about our current work, um, but also share, like, here's what I'm thinking is, you know, on the horizon. Here's, you know, what do you think of that? Or who do you know who can help me with that? You know, those pieces that, um, you know, I think have been just a valuable, like, um, you know, just having the four of us be able to come together has been valuable to talk about that. Here's my last question. How, and it's always a two-sided thing to think about, right? How has Greenlight made you better as a person? And what do you think has been um, your best contribution, aside from selecting the organization you bring in to Greenlight? So yes. Greenlight has caused me to grow beyond my comfort zone. Prior to coming to Greenlight, my network looked a certain way. Folks I connected with looked a certain way. Um, and Greenlight has um, stretched me to um, lean into you know different folks with different experiences and different backgrounds. I think I was paralyzed by um, imposter syndrome mm -hmm. uh, when I first came in, because I'm used to leading uh, small black grassroots organizations and, you know, kind of approaching the work from that perspective and that particular lens. Greenlight has diversified greatly um, my professional network, and I have had to um, lean into um, navigating those spaces, but not only navigating those spaces, being confident in those spaces, um, and lending my voice um, to those spaces as well. And the second question? Oh, uh, well, it was the second. <laughs> I'm fading fast. <laughs> That's what happens when you travel early in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, the second question is, what has been um, your greatest contribution to um, Greenlight? Me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Ryan, period. Okay. <laughs> like, now that we got that done. <laughs> so, um, I'll say that um, I think I bring a certain um, energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll take that some more. A certain energy, a certain heart, um, you know, to, to, to our space. Um, and I, 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 I love that. And it's caused me to be connected mm -hmm. to these beautiful ladies here. Indeed. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. Tish, do you want to go? Because I know you got to step out. Yeah. Um, I would say what I received from Green Light, um, similar to Ryan, before I started, I had this like a, how am I going to talk to these billionaire, millionaire investors? What are we going to have in common? And all that stuff. Um, but I feel like what I took from that is people are just people. Some people just have more money. <laughs> and that's that's really what it is and having a level of comfort and I always share this story 
I um, really early on had a meeting with an investor, former CEO of some Wall Street firm, and we come in, hey, I'm just, you know, that sort of thing, whatever. By the time the conversation was over, he was like, girl, give me a hug. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like people are really just people. So being able to find something to connect people on, whether it's kids, it's travel, it's work, it's the same passion for a focus area, passion for Newark, like whatever it is, I think is I'm learning how to um, walk into spaces and know that I'm supposed to be in those spaces and utilize whatever gifts and talents I have to make sure I'm comfortable in those spaces and have the ability to make other people comfortable as well as we continue um, my conversations. I say what um, I have contributed to Greenlight so far is um, I think I try to be innovative in the work that we're doing in Newark. Um, like they try to find ways to like, oh, let's maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try that. And I'm like, oh, it kind of worked. Y'all, maybe y'all want to try this too. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, it's good to be in a space where it's like diversity of thought and ideas and just our approach to the work is so different. So I pull pieces from everyone and hopefully I'm leaving pieces for people to take as well because we all have um, come from different backgrounds, different experiences, and we're able to, you know, kind of bring all of ourselves to green, like not just the work we're doing here, but we were full professionals mm-hmm. before we had these roles with so much experience. How are we leveraging that experience in order to do the work we're doing now? And how can we share what we've learned with other people? So I think that's what I'm bringing to the organization. Um, how has Greenlight caused me to grow? I think I've spent a lot of years in a lot of senior senior roles, particularly in the within the federal government. And I loved a lot of the work that I was doing there, but I was always executing someone else's uh, agenda. Um, you know, and it wasn't, yes, I had input. I got to like, you know, think and, and, uh, and contribute, but the work never, you know, originated for me. It was me executing. Um, and I think as a result, you know, I wasn't in a, like always in a decision-making, uh, role that would allow me to sort of you know, organically figure something out and then implement and execute and make all the decisions. Uh, And uh, being in this role at Greenlight has really allowed me to like sharpen those leadership skills around here's what we're going to do, here's why, and here's how, and here's what this will look like. And making those decisions and taking like the credit for that, you know, saying this is, you know, I was saying earlier, you know, because of me, this, you know, this thing now exists and being able to like own that and uh, uh, really, you know, toot my own horn in a way that feel like has always felt a little weird or uncomfortable or, you know, um, uh, just, you know, sort of out of my comfort zone. So that's how I think uh, Greenlight has really um, helped me grow. Um, My greatest contribution to Greenlight Fund, I... It would use the similar word to Tish uh, around, you know, how to pushing around innovation, how to think differently about our work and how we are uh, investing in organizations that we might have overlooked before because they didn't always, you know, meet the criteria of like being a large national organization that's looking to scale, um, you know, really saying like, let's look at 
smaller Black-led organizations that are doing amazing work and having impact, but don't have the resources to be this huge sort of national um, you know, organization with all the infrastructure in place that you know traditionally Greenlight's looking for to, to support and, and scale. I also think, um, I would hope that I've contributed to the conversations around green light really being explicit around linking uh, poverty and race um, and, you know, and actually talking about that. Um, You know, I I shared with you, I I was hired uh, in August of 2020. So COVID had hit, we were seeing all of, you know, the disparities that were coming up, you know, just, you know, from the impact of COVID. Also in my community, our city was burning. George Floyd had just been murdered. And so top of mind for me, really like emotionally and raw was like, how are we gonna, how am I gonna contribute to my community through this work at Greenlight in direct response to all that's happening right now? And so, um, you know, I feel like in a lot of the spaces and circles and conversations uh, that I was a part of during that time and continue to be, um, you know, with my colleagues and at the national level too has really been around, like, we need to talk about the link between race and poverty. Um, it's okay to be unapologetic about focusing on the Black community, at least in the Twin Cities right now, because that's what we need to do, um, you know, in in a way that I think others, uh, prior to my coming on board and, and doing the work in the Twin Cities, hadn't really been talking about or thinking about, so... Thank you. Smart, I'm glad you wrote these questions down. I'm going to just peek. Husband of growth. So, uh, yeah, I think Ryan mentioned it before. Like, this was like our first like ED job for a lot of us. So just exciting, right, to, to be walking into that space. Um, and, you know, echoing somewhat similar said about like sharpening your leadership skills, right? Like now the buck stops at you in a lot of ways. So just um, really like leaning into what that what that means and what that feels like. I do think being in this position really has just caused me to be firmer in my resolve around things. Yeah. And it's like, man, I actually really think it's this. I'm really just like, you know, obviously been backing it up with facts and figures and all these things, but um, not necessarily being so easily swayed, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, just believing in myself, you know, in, in a in a really in a really deep way. Um, I also really love that Greenlight kind of gives me the opportunity to be a manager, a boss that I would have wanted or I would have liked, right? And then there's something there about this um, this responsibility, right? Of like growing the next leader and and really, you know, helping, you know, the people that, that we support and our staff to feel a part of this work in a really meaningful way. And I, I really love that opportunity, mm-hmm. right? To, and I really look at it, at it as a responsibility, right? To make sure that um, you're helping to, to grow and invest in the next person coming after you. Um, and I just, I love that, this organization, probably more than any other, has really shown me that leadership looks a hundred different ways, right? Like you don't always have to wear a blazer to be a CEO, right? You don't always have to, you know, never crack jokes. Like each of our EDs is so fascinatingly different and and are still strong leaders in their in their community, right? And I think you know, before coming to this role, maybe I had a sense of like, well, I guess leaders kind of look like this, all right? They have to, um, this has to be their demeanor the whole time. And like, you know, we're around, you know, our ED table and circle, like we're cracking jokes, we're laughing, and we're still getting the work done, right? So I just really love that Greenlight showed me um, just what 12 different leaders can look like, right? And like, as we continue to add more on, I'm sure I'll see, you know, a lot of other um, 
just yeah, just different Dynamics. ways, right? Yeah, and I, I, I love that. Um, in terms of what I contribute, uh, yeah, maybe like that another different way of being a leader, right? Like you can, um, you know, really be intentional and and have. Um, and passionate about this work and still have a lot of crazy things going on on the outside, right? Like just in terms of like other things that feed into you, right? That, that make you whole and make you um, ready to come back and do this work, right? And just really balancing that work with your life, knowing that um, you have to be whole in the life part, right? In order to pour into the work in a full way. So, I love what you said, firmer in my resolve. Yeah. I deeply yeah. feel that too. Like, mm-hmm. like I know, you know, mm-hmm. that this is what we this need to do yeah. and I'm going to figure out how to like thread the needle mm-hmm. to get there um, in a way that will bring everybody on board who needs to be on board. I find that that firmness of in resolve I think is almost a universal leadership challenge. Mm-hmm. When I talk to leaders, when I'm going in, their teams are having problems. Mm-hmm. Many times what they're looking for is someone they can talk to mm-hmm. who doesn't work for them right. so that they have an opportunity to have a sounding board and develop the firmness and resolve for how they want to fix problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That firmness yeah. of resolve. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. I love that. Well, ladies and one good gentleman. <laughs> good gentleman. <laughs> so much for your time and your generosity um, I appreciate your perspectives and this has been fun this has thank been fun. you thank you thank you my thank you for listening to the Leadership Drives podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please rate and subscribe share with your family and friends and be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Leadership Drives <laughs>